Next on BYU Sports Nation, is the BYU offense getting too much attention in fall camp? What about the defense? Hey, we're into week three now. Have your expectations changed since the start of fall camp? And when does BYU men's hoops play Gonzaga? The men's hoops schedule in conferences out. BYUSN starts now. This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, your hosts, Jerem Jordan and Jason Shepard. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Wednesday, August 14th. I am Jerem Jordan. Spencer Linton worked two hard, long days, so he's out today. So I'm teamed up with ex-Star Boy Scout, Jason Shepard. I was wondering why Ben was asking me if I was an Eagle Scout. Because I said no. Is that a prerequisite to work here? (laughs) I said no. He's like, well, what rank were you? I said, well, whichever one was higher, first class or star? I think it went tenderfoot, first class, second class, star, Star. eagle. Yeah, so I was star. I I reached Really good. Yes. I I was not the biggest scouter out there. Oh, uh, life. We forgot life. Oh, yes, life. Wait, so So, did it go tenderfoot, first class? Was there a second class? Uh, Are you an Eagle Scout? Second, there are like 14 people in my ear, like, ah, Boy Scouts. Uh, yeah, life was the last one. I got my Eagle Scout because I had good young men's leaders. I did not earn that at all. It was <laughs> like they did it. Awesome. The reason we bring this up is a few local media <laughs> yesterday in, in a headline in regards to a person who broke the law said, ex-Eagle Scout, dot, dot, dot. In fact... <laughs> One one said, uh, ex-Eagle Scout accused an online drug empire to stand trial. What does his scout rank have to do with anything? (laughs) That's ridiculous. They're just, you know, it's just adding flavor to the story. It's more details. It's more info that you need to know. Every person that breaks the law and has a headline now, I want their scout. (laughs) Ex-Tenderfoot accused of a DUI. Like, what does that have to do with anything? That's wild. Anyway. Uh, yeah, a couple of couple of scouts here on the show today. We'll talk to a few scouts on the show today as well. Here's what's on the show rundown. My one-on-one conversation with junior offensive lineman Tristan Hodge. I don't know a ton about the offensive line. I learned a ton. Very interesting conversation. Between the Lines explores the awesome story of a Chinese youth baseball team who attended a BYU summer camp, and we play a little hashtag this. Stuart Mandel defends Lavelle Edwards Stadium like nobody else, and uh, OBJ gives Sione Taki Taki a nickname. But first, today's headlines. Fall camp practice 12. Last night, head coach Kalani Satake said, BYU came out of Saturday's scrimmage pretty healthy, has a better idea of how the depth chart is shaping up, and who might redshirt? Tristan Hodge, aforementioned, says Cougar coaches are mixing it up to keep it fresh. Coaches are doing really well right now, changing our schedule through you know, our practices. We never know what we're going to get. We change around when we're doing team, when we're doing special teams, when we're doing indie. And even doing little fun games, you know, like Coach Patelos is throwing me at center, throwing James at left tackle. Just, you know, little things to keep, you know, keep us on our toes and keep things light, you know, through the monotony. I go one-on-one with Hodge in 15. Satake also said yesterday they hope to have Moroni Laulupututau, the senior tight end, in practice soon. Which is great news. The WCC releases the 2020 Men's Basketball Conference schedule. BYU starts play on January 4th in conference at home against LMU. BYU will travel to Spokane to face Gonzaga on January 18th and then host the Zag, the Zags in Provo on February 22nd. By the way, the WCC tournament returns to the Orleans Arena in Las Vegas. It will be played March 5th 
through the 10th. We'll break that down in a moment. Women's volleyball, number nine in the ABCA preseason coaches poll. BYU finished last season ranked fourth, 31 and two, went to the final four. Cougars play a tough schedule. They play top ranked Stanford again, fourth ranked Texas, so two in the top five. Marquette, 16th, and then of course two with San Diego in conference play. Former Cougars Tanner Mangum, Tooney Knooch, and Jake Heaps received official invites to the XFL Player Draft for their inaugural season, which, by the way, will start in February of 2020 at BYU. Mangum threw for 6,262 yards and 39 touchdowns. Heaps threw for 3,768 yards and 24 touchdowns. And on the offensive line, Knuch helped the team average over 200 yards rushing per game back in 2016. Could those guys be playing in the XFL? And 2020 sounds like it's way far away, right? Do we? That's six We're months away. We're less than six months away. That's six months. Yeah, yeah. that's crazy. Rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Fall camp began in late July. Here we are two weeks into August. Expectations have been created since last season, and over time kind of ebb and flow depending on health, development, perceived storylines, and whatnot. So, Jason, two weeks into fall camp, have your expectations changed at all? The quick answer is no, and in terms of the no answer, I'm talking about the wins and losses for the team. I still think seven or eight wins in the regular season is realistic. Nothing has changed. BYU hasn't played a game yet. You can't take too much positive or negative from what you see in camp because it's still you still have to do it in the season. So in terms of that, it hasn't. Where my expectations have changed is with specific positions. And immediately I'm looking at the running back spot. Getting to see Tyson Williams and Emmanuel Supa has made me more confident in BYU's rushing game. When you're adding those two alongside Lopini Katoa, that had a significantly softened my concern I had. And I had high expectations for Lopini. I, I, I expected a pretty good season from him this year. But now seeing what we're going to add along with Lopini, look, I, I always thought BYU would be better running the ball. But after seeing what's possible with those three backs, my expectations for the run game have increased. Yeah, I'm with you on that. That's a great point. Seeing Tyson Williams and Emmanuel Supa in person, seeing how much better Lopini Cato looks coming off the torn meniscus. That's good. I'm more positive about the rhetoric around the explosiveness of the offense. Obviously, that's a desire. But let's be honest, the last two years, that wasn't a main core value of the offense. They wanted to establish the run, be able to create manageable third downs, right? This offense is catered to Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall. I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm less excited about the tight ends. There's Matt Bushman, and then there's who? Joe Tukuafu. Is he good to go? Like, is he practicing fully? Maronella Lupuchitao's not even in practice. Hank Tui-Pelotu tears his ACL. I'm a little concerned about beyond Matt Bushman in that group. Eric Mateo said slow our roll on the freshman All-American thing. Um, defensively, uh, we don't know what BYU will f- how they will effectively replace Sione Takitaki at middle linebacker. Will they get a guy like Corbin Kafusi to have that kind of impact uh, who led the team in sacks the last couple of years? I expect BYU to be better at punting and place kicking. I think Jake Oldroyd could be that guy. But like you said, it's limited uh, viewing of practice, yeah. and then it's what is said. Now, what is said could be crafted to be whatever they want, even if it's not the reality, right? I think that uh, eight is the goal with wins. I'm probably on the seven and a half fence. If I was on the seven fence, you know, in the spring, I think eight is is uh, where BYU is probably going to hopefully finish, if not higher. If BYU gets nine plus, I think we're all pretty happy. Right. Well, and 
So many questions will be answered in the Utah game, and it's not just because it's Utah, but that's the first opportunity to see all of these pieces together. And, it, and right out of the gate, you're getting probably the best defense you'll face all season long. Perhaps the best team. Perhaps the best team you'll we'll face see. all season long. So immediately, a lot of the questions or any concerns that anybody has, whether it's fans, media, players, coaches themselves, a lot of those will be answered. And at that point, then maybe you can reassess expectations. But right now until you play a game, it's, it's really difficult to change anything in terms of that. All right, now on to topic number two. As fall camp continues, most of the focus and the praise has been directed towards the offensive side of the football. The high-octane offensive possibilities are certainly there. And players like Zach Wilson, uh, Tyson Williams, Matt Bushman, and others have all been singled out for their play. But what about the defense? Are we talking too much about the offense in fall camp, Jerem? No, never. You can never talk enough offense. This is BYU. (laughs) This place was not built on defense. It was built on offense. The legacy of this school is offense. But I see your point. I, I think we're talking about the offense perhaps a little too much in terms of what it means for the defense. I'm, I'm wondering, is the defense good? I, I think that the defense can be good. Good as in, are they going to be fine? I think so. I think in the three years, Elisa Tuiaki has shown that he can be a good defensive coordinator, that BYU has skilled players where they perhaps are a little thin, that they make up for it in other ways. I think BYU's got the piece to be a good defense. Defensively on that line, you return a lot of good pieces, led by Kairos Tonga. Obviously, Zane Anderson and Isaiah Kafusi are there. Middle linebacker, still a big issue, right? Is, how's that going to be filled? In the secondary, Austin Lee, Diane a couple of vets, some young, talented corners in the mix as well. The other safety spots, a question mark. I, I think the defense is going to be fine. The fact that they haven't been a storyline as much in fall camp, not super concerning, but enough to where... We need to have this discussion. Well, see, for me, I under, I'm like you. I understand why we're asking the question because it has been – the conversation has just been dominated by the offensive side. But ultimately, my answer is no. And for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned, look, the offense is the side of the ball that needed to improve the most. That, that there were that from especially from last year, that was the side of the ball that had the most questions. That's the side of the ball that had the quarterback have off-season surgery. The most important player on the field – had off-season surgery on his shoulder that affects what he does as a for his job on the field. So, look, like it or not, and this is more philosophical than it is specific to BYU, philosophically, fans will almost always focus on offense over defense. And I, that's, that's how we are as sports fans, just in general, regardless of the sport. We just, growing up, we've just kind of been trained to focus on the offensive side of things. But look, the defense certainly has question marks and, and losing some of the significant playmakers from last year, which we've talked about, obviously, in Corbin Kafusi and you're, Sione Taki. Top two players. Yeah. The offense returned its top two players. But, but for me, the track record had already been established with what is capable and what's possible for this defense. So not talking about them in, in a way for me is somewhat of a uh, a positive for them because it's, we, it's because we kind of know what we're going to get. And yes, they're dealing with some injuries and you know, they're, they're trying to make sure that they don't play overplay guys in fall because you know, they, they don't want to have some of these guys. They're going to rely on a lot. They don't want to get them hurt, but I, I think the track record has been set. It's the offense that we, we wanted to see the biggest jump from. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what this defense can do. Can this defensive line be the line that we've been waiting for that gets a rush with four somewhat consistently? They've been good at stopping the run. Past game's been solid, so uh, we'll see what the defense can do. Topic three, the West Coast Conference men's basketball schedule is out, still waiting on the non-conference. Uh, things to know, BYU plays Gonzaga in Spokane January 18th in Provo on February 22nd. That's senior night. And BYU has eight seniors. That's a big number. <laughs> Cougars and St. Mary's uh, Gales play January 9th in Moraga. February 1st in Provo. What sticks out about the 2020 West Coast Conference slate? Uh, the, the very first thing for me that, and I would imagine I'm probably not alone in this, but as soon as the schedule comes out, immediately you're looking to see yeah. when BYU plays Gonzaga and St. Mary's. So that was the very first thing that I, that I looked at. Look, I don't think having a bye in the first week, in fact, it's the first game of the season, uh, I don't think that helps the Cougars. In fact, BYU's two byes are the first and last weeks of the conference season. That means BYU is going to play seven straight weeks without a break and that brings us to our stat of the day it's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day BYU is the only team to play seven straight weeks of WCC play without a bye the only one the only one that's great that probably more than anything else stood out to me the most is you have the bye one bye at the first week and one bye in at the last week and then a lot of basketball without any rest in between. Like there weren't any major surprises. I mean, it's pretty much what you expect. It's yep. just a, it's a normal schedule. Like every WCC season, though, for BYU, the hope is that you're going to go and you're going to split at least with Gonzaga and St. Mary's. Uh, I mean, that's that, the hope. That would be great. That's the hope. Splitting then, with Gonzaga is incredible. Yes, and then you beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. Sure. And BYU did that last year, except in the final game of the season. What uh, about for you? Yeah, uh, BYU never plays three home games in a row, but they play three road games once. So it's good that they don't get out on the road too much. Uh, first WCC week is a bye, as you mentioned, then LMU at home. So, so good start. At St. Mary's on a Thursday is a good thing as opposed to a Saturday. You can fully prep for that team for five days. At Gonzaga in game five is a little early compared to what it's been. BYU's played Gonzaga a lot of times, both times in February, which I'm fine with playing them a little earlier. Perhaps it's a different group for BYU and or Gonzaga. Uh, BYU has two home road split weeks. I don't really like those. They went to this a couple years ago. Um, And then ending the home schedule with Gonzaga, February 22nd for eight seniors, I think will be awesome. There's a ton of juice uh, whenever BYU plays Gonzaga. But in the final game for TJ Haas and Yoli Childs and Jake Toulson and Dalton Nixon, Zach Selyus and... Uh, I, I guess actually it's seven seniors. Nick Emery was one of those. You're so, right. uh, Taylor Mon and uh, I believe Evan Troy, right? So that's going to be cool. I, I think it's good. It's solid. Uh, Dave Rose in years past has come in on the show in this situation and uh, not been happy about a few things. Um, I feel like it's pretty balanced. It's pretty fair. Well, and Except hey, for the buy yeah, thing that you mentioned. Yeah. Again. Well, and look, at least the days of possibly having a Gonzaga or St. Mary's coming into Provo during Christmas break oh. is done. <laughs> Yes. At least in, we in fact, don't. At least we don't have to worry about that when this when there's no students yes. here and you're getting a home game versus one of those two teams. At least those days are gone. In fact, when um, when BYU starts the season, it's going to be you know the the second game of January. It's, they don't even play one in 2019. It's yeah. all 2020. Yes, it's all 2020 for the league. Our question of the day: How have your expectations for BYU football changed since the start of fall camp? Let's get uh, to the voice of the nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. 
At Justin M. Gibb on Instagram, hearing the confidence and excitement be relayed from coaches and players has increased my hope that my blue goggle expectations could be more of a reality. Now, if you have blue goggled expectations, you're probably thinking 10 plus on this schedule, right? Yeah. Throw, throw them on there, Cyclone. Throw them on. These, are my, these are my favorites. Yeah. Uh, at Brian Logan 7, Jerem Jordan, your facial expressions kill me, bro. Am I making funny faces today? <laughs> I didn't even notice. What's up, Brian? Sorry, Brian. Uh, you could have watched Brian before this program on After Further Review. It's the re-air from yesterday's BYU TV app uh, showing. You can always check that out. And weigh in on our question of the day on Twitter, uh, Facebook, and Instagram. Coming up, what brought a Chinese baseball team to BYU? Between the Lines has the story. And why Tristan Hodge recently listened to the entire first season of The Office. What's the story there? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. On the latest BYU Sports Nation right now, a meme of BYU women's volleyball has been floating around in the offseason, but who really started that trend? Plus, it's the best of BYU football mic'd up. Check it out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. This is BYU Sports Nation, simulcast on both BYU TV and BYU Radio. Great to have you. I'm Jerem. He's Jason. Shows on demand via the podcast and BYUSN.com as well. Well, out of high school, Tristan Hodge was the top-rated center in the country. He went to Notre Dame for a couple of seasons, transferred to BYU, sat out uh, as a redshirt, started every game at guard last season. Now he's a junior and one of the leaders on this BYU team. Here's my conversation after practice with Tristan Hodge. Tristan, uh, halfway through fall camp, how are you feeling physically? Feeling great physically, you know, doing a lot of prehab and rehab, and my body's staying being good to me this time. How did the preparation over the summer make it so this camp you guys were able to kind of sprint into it? That's what a lot of guys have said. You know, I think that's a big thing is we're, we're staying with the same offense. You know, the thing is that we're able to go into this, you know, into this fall camp and just kind of, you know, get into it instead of a lot of teach them. Like, like there's still install, don't get me wrong, but at the end of the day, you know, we're, we know what we're doing. You know, we're just, it's more refinement rather than just straight teaching. From a few years ago when you, you first showed up, it's, an, it's a different offense. And this year's offense is different than last year's. So uh, how have you tried to keep up, I guess, physically with the pace of, okay, we may run a few more plays. you got to run a little more. <laughs> That's one thing that our strength coaches have been, you know, drilling us all over the summer. Our strength coach is a testament to what they've done, you know, in that long training season is getting us ready for these moments, getting us in football shape. And of course, football shape's a different kind of shape, but you know, they do the best of getting us strong and fast and getting prepared for this. So it's a huge testament to them. And, you know, our, our staff, you know, that, that's helping us rehab and all that, they've really helped us take care of our bodies and limit the injuries. In basketball, it's easy to quantify what a guy's working on in the offseason. Oh, I'm going to add this move or whatever, right? James Harden's going to travel in this way now or whatever. For an offensive lineman, what's that like where you go, I specifically want to do this? What are some of those things for you? Usually one of the things that we like to do is we like to focus on maybe a couple things because we can't overload our minds because we really only we can work one thing and pass and one thing and run maybe a day because if we do too many things that we're not focused on any of them. So one thing that I really wanted to focus on this, this season and throughout this offseason was my pass sets and getting those a little more – you know, concise, getting them faster, getting them, you know, to the point where I, you know, I have switch-ups where I'm not doing the same thing every time, so, you know, that they, they can't judge me on what I'm doing based on what they're doing. So the, and then also in the run is becoming stronger and more balanced, you know, so it's not nothing that they can't torque or anything. So I'm remaining balanced within double teams, within single blocks, you know, so we can maintain that surge. So what's, describe what a pass set is. Oh, so when we set, I mean, of course, when we're setting back like this, everybody, everybody knows the, has seen the offensive lineman. It looks like we're backpedaling. Don't worry, it's not bad. You know, so we're uh, 
it's, it's, it's a, there's a lot of things that go in past that. It's really strategic, and especially if you're trying to do switch-ups. And I, I like to like highlight our tackles because they do it a lot more, especially with edge rushers, is they have a big toolbox that they like to use. Interior, we have a toolbox as well, is knowing where to place our hands, you know, giving them switch-ups, not giving them both hands, giving them one-two, you know, maybe sometimes giving them just one at a time or seeing how their body position, if they're leaning forward, you know, trapping them down so that they can't get a bull rush. There's a lot of crazy different details that we're, that we're looking at during a pass rush in those five seconds so during a game you're describing you may not want to show everything that you have in the first quarter per se that you might use in the fourth you know sometimes that's the, that's the name of the game but sometimes we're also reading how d linemen are going to rush us you know that's what film study gives us so we see how you know how do they treat an overset by you know by a guard if he's a three tech or if he's a four eye saying if i set like this how is he going to react to me and it's also if i set like this and i know he's going to react that way how can i counter that or attack that so there's a lot of strategic things that go into you know every single pass set for a pitcher sometimes there's tipping their pitch right oh if he holds it this way or does this or uh, whatnot for an old lineman are you conscious of I can't show if this is a pass or a run do you work on that kind of footwork or how you're sitting or whatever exactly that's one thing we want to show is is coach Mateos has stressed is he, he's coached guys before that you knew when they were running and you knew in their pass setting one thing we want to do is we want to be balanced so you don't know on third and short if we're going to run or if we're going to pass the ball so that's a good thing for us is they don't know what we're going to do and also it just remains that you know that we're balanced and that we're not showing too much of our hand as well so it's it really works that way how do you do that when you're huffing and puffing after play after play right where maybe you're going a little tempo? in that moment you know it's that's that's the testament for all fall camp is is getting us in that shape and working these plays you know during team is going you know so many plays in a row doing those 20 play drives so when it comes to game day you know when we actually get a long drive that maybe you know 10 or more plays that we're not as gassed that we're just still being the same play in and play out describe to us uh what kind of improvements you expect from this offense this year we're hearing a lot of good things more explosive uh, more down the field, you know, better in the run game. That's always the hope, right? But it feels like with a returning quarterback and a second-year OC, perhaps those could be reality. And of course. And a lot of things we're instilling confidence in each and every single player is knowing that their role is important to every single play. You know, the offensive line, we want to work on that surge. We want to work on doing our job, you know, put in, in those current situations. You know, put the put it behind us. You know, we're going to get those those yardage in those situations. So we're going to say, let's go behind us. Or, you know, everybody can do their job. So that's the one thing is we're instilling confidence and everybody that we can do whatever we want do you ever get validation from a play call for example if it's third and short you're like oh they did a run they have confidence in uh, our ability do you ever get validated that way oh 100 percent you know that's one thing we hope for at o-line we want third and one we want to say hey we're going to run up between the tackles we're going to go forward that's one that's that's pride thing for the offensive line you know if they call a pass we're just like really <laughs> you know sometimes it's kind of a letdown but of course we know the coaches have the best thing in mind but we want the we as offensive line we want to steal the confidence in our coaches that when it comes to those situations that they can run it behind us what kind of difference have you seen for jeff grams as he's kind of grown in this second year as a play caller you can see that he's definitely he, he's built that confidence in, in the players. You know, he sees that we've now started settling in our roles. He knows what each one of us is about now, and he knows what each one of us is capable of. So he knows how to accentuate what players are on the field to their strengths and run and do the right play calls. Perhaps the biggest addition for you in the offseason was some ink on your left arm. Will you describe uh, what we have going on here? Oh, there's a lot going on here. You know, it's a, it's a smorgasbord of stuff. So this thing is actually Norse. Um, you know, my, me and my dad are kind of digging into our Danish heritage a little bit. Vikings in there? Oh, Maybe. yes. Oh, yeah. So you have uh, Mjolnir, which is Thor's hammer. Yep. We have the uh, world serpent that circles up here. It's hard to see. Kind of goes up here, which basically is one of the world serpents. Then you have the, uh, basically it's our black sun here that's like a shield of earth. This, I have no idea what it means yet. <laughs> 
Is that I, Elvish? What is that? I have no. It, oh, this is oh, this is a dead language. All Nordic. It's old, <laughs> old stuff. And I, I don't even speak a second language. I can barely speak English. Come on. And uh, right here, this is actually a compass. This is uh, one of the, this is one of the earliest depictions of a compass used by the Norse people. So it's and of course the the Valknut, which is life, death, and rebirth. It's a lot of lot of deep stuff, but just look cool. So does it have personal significance to you as well as looks cool? Uh, of course. I mean, you know, one thing I wanted to do is I wanted to be, I'm sometimes an indecisive person, so I wanted to do something because this is definitely very permanent. So I took my time in, you know, choosing it. I wanted to be meaningful and also very cool, like you said. Um, but I took my time choosing it, and I sat in a chair for eight hours, and I don't regret it at all. Eight hours? In one sitting, yeah. It was, it was a long day. What did you do during that time? Well, I mean, he asked what I wanted to watch on Netflix, but the TV was behind me, and there wasn't a mirror in front of me. So I said, I guess I'll listen to The Office. So I just sat there, you know, basically talked to him, listened to The Office. But I've seen it so many times, I knew exactly what was going on. Eight hours worth of The Office? Oh, yes. Yeah, it was pretty monotonous, but, you know, it's The Office. Come on. Did you cover two seasons, maybe? Uh, just about. No, I think I, got, I think I got through the first season. The first season. How was it again? It's beautiful. It's a great, great show. It puts a smile on my face. Uh, how would you uh, describe and characterize this offensive line this year? You know, one thing we want, we're finding our identity right now, but one thing that we want to know is that is the tenacity and controlled violence. You know, not a lot of the good things happen when it's uncontrolled violence. People can get out of whack, but we want to play with violence, but that controlled aspect of knowing that we're smart guys on the field, that we know what we're doing, but we're still going to bowl people over, that's the one thing we want to stress. Well, BYU Sports Nation, karma to you. Stay healthy. And uh, this was the most offensive line insight I've ever received. Thank you for the time, Tristan. Hey, thank you. He's always insightful. I love chatting with Tristan Hodge. And eight hours of listening to The Office (laughs) while you get a massive tattoo on your arm. But here's the deal. When you know a series, like whatever series you know the best, if you just hear it, you're, you're watching it in your mind. Right. Because you can. If you've seen it before. Yes, if you've seen it before and it's like, I, I get it. Not I can do that with Seinfeld. Not everything's repeatable. Yes. I think Seinfeld is a great rewatch. I yes. don't know that everything is super rewatchable. Yeah. He's such, first of all, he's a fantastic football player, but he's such a great guy to just talk to for interviews so or just talking to on the side. Yeah. He's great. I love it. Uh, at, uh, let's see, uh, Colonel James uh, 83. Hearing you guys talking about scouting ranks. Ugh. Tenderfoot. <laughs> second class. Yes. First class. Star. Life. Eagle. It's been a minute. <laughs> 20, yeah, it's been a while 20, since we've had to worry about this. For me. Yeah. Uh, once I got my Eagle, I was out, by the way. I was just, I'm done. I don't need to be here, right? Like, I got the thing. I'm, now there I'm isn't done. even going to be scouts. It'll be something well, else. It will exist. It just won't under the Church of Jesus yes. Christ. Yes. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. That's what I meant. As a, uh, as a former, like, we below leader or whatever, are they still doing? Co- I was like, fine with me. Yeah, I remember yeah. you used to like uh, like on a Wednesday night. You uh, you take the Weeblos the up to uh, Y Mountain or something. We went one or once or twice. Yeah, <laughs> it was that was probably one or two many times than we should have. <laughs> Coming up, a national college football writer drops the mic on a Utah fan while defending Lavelle Edwards Stadium. We will play hashtag this. And between the lines explores why a Chinese youth baseball team chose BYU as its summer camp. This is BYU Sports Nation. Tender feet. Welcome back. Jerem Jordan, Jason Shepard in Radio Vision Live on BYU Radio and BYU TV. Look at our hardworking crew in the control room. Oh, man, we couldn't do this without them. They're fantastic. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. It's time for today's headlines again. 
Fall camp practice 12 was last night. Head coach Kalani Satake said BYU came out of Saturday's scrimmage pretty healthy, has a better idea of how the depth chart is shaping up and who might redshirt. He also gave us an update on the return of tight end Moroni Laulu Pututau. Yeah, we're getting close. And so um, uh, we're just as excited as everybody else. So we're getting really close, and I think um, hopefully we'll see them soon. And I, I know that uh, summer summer semester, a lot of the guys are taking their tests. Our summer bridge guys are finishing up this week. And so uh, we expect him soon. Word is he's finishing up classes, as mentioned. Uh, apparently hasn't practiced quite yet. Uh, we're getting close. Hopefully he can get to the team as soon as possible. Yeah, BYU having uh, that added weapon this season will be huge. The West Coast Conference releases the 2020 Men's Basketball Conference schedule. BYU starts conference play on January 4th at home against LMU. BYU then will travel to Spokane to face Gonzaga on January 18th. They will host the Zags in Provo on February 22nd. The WCC Tournament will be played in Las Vegas once again at the Orleans Arena and will be played March 5th through the 10th. That's the second home of BYU Sports Nation. In fact, where we did our first shows on TV. Women's volleyball is number nine in the ABCA preseason coaches poll. BYU finished last season ranked fourth with a record of 31 and two. Final four appearance. What a fun season 2018 was. Perhaps 2019 will be fun as well. Cougar opponents in the top 25 includes top ranked Stanford, fourth ranked Texas, 16th ranked Marquette, the Matt Carlinos, and two matchups with San Diego at 21. Former Cougars Tanner Mangum, Tooney Knooch, and Jake Heaps have all received official invites to the XFL player draft for the inaugural season coming up in February. At BYU, Mangum threw for 6,262 yards and 39 TDs. Heaps threw for 3,768 yards and 24 touchdowns. And on the offensive line, Knooch helped the team average over 200 yards rushing per game back in 2016. Both you and I had uh, kids that went to BYU summer sports camps this Correct. year. They do a bunch of them. It's one of the best, if not the best, program in the country for that. Perhaps some of you have had your kids, or maybe you went when you were younger to sports camps. They're awesome. You need to do it if you have not done it before. Yeah. This year, BYU baseball hosted a different kind of group, one all the way from Beijing, China. Lauren McLean sat down with BYU head coach Mike Littlewood and Chinese coach uh, Kong Kong. Let's go between the lines. BYU Sports Nation presents... Between the Lines. How do you pronounce your team name? Uh, our team name is Jia Pao. Jia is Chinese of home. Pao is one. Wow. So it's like combined home run. How did the opportunity to host this Chinese team come about uh, for BYU baseball camp? Well, really, I honestly didn't know they were going to be here until a couple weeks before. My first thought was I was so amazed at just the sacrifice it takes to come 8,000 miles and for the courage of the young kids to come out here and not having a great knowledge of the language. They can kind of get around a little bit. And then being just immersed into 215 American kids, um, I, I think it's just awesome to have them here. What do you think that says about the international reach of BYU? Well, that's the reach of not just BYU camps. And you talk about BYU TV and, and BYU sports. Uh, you can't get much farther than where these kids have come from. And so it's important for us to be able to, to host them well, put on a good show, teach them some things, and just allow them to have a great experience while they're here. And it's, so far, it's been awesome. So baseball isn't the most popular sport in China. Where did you gain your love for baseball? Uh, actually, my father got his master in the States. Okay. Like 30, 
five years ago. Uh, when he came back to China, he taught me English. So I learned a lot of baseball terms from my father. So your little team has trained across the United States the last few years in different spots. Why did you choose BYU this year? About two years ago, I met a daughter and father. We're on the same cruise, an Antarctic tour. The daughter graduated from BYU. Uh-huh. I like to take my players to Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. So I have to choose a big city for training before or after uh-huh. Yellowstone trip. <laughs> so I asked her, but she said, why not try BYU camp? She helped me to call some coaches here. Mm-hmm. Finally, <laughs> I came here. How's your team liking this so far? You know, in the last couple of years, we have great coaches, great teammates, but this time is much, much more new friends. What's it been like for you seeing these kids interact with the other kids and yeah. being able to coach them a little bit? Well, I've just noticed they're so respectful. The number one thing I've, I've noticed is they, they, uh, they're just polite. They're just mm. really nice kids. And they're sponges. They just want to. They listen to you, and whatever you tell them to do, they're going to do it and, and uh, try to put it in their game. So, we as coaches appreciate that. It's one than two hundred. <laughs> so I have to talk more. I have uh-huh. to communicate more. <laughs> so that's even more important than baseball for the kids. How did this team get started? Actually, I was a baseball reporter for like seven, six years. So after I was a baseball reporter. I came to the States and saw a lot of young kids play baseball. For some of them, it's the first time to the States. Wow. So maybe they learn a lot in the last 10 days how to use knife and fork, how <laughs> not chopstick, it's completely different for them. Sometimes they use wrong way, but getting better and better. Oh, good. And yeah, that's why we're here. We can invite maybe some good go to China, yeah. we want to meet new friends, yeah. we want to have a new view of the world. Well, awesome. Thank you so much. It Thank was good so to much. meet you. Thank you for your time. And good luck in the future. Thank Appreciate you. it. Thank you. Lauren McLean with Between the Lines. That's really Great cool. Story. That's really cool. Uh, yeah, baseball is not huge in China at all. So the fact that they come all the way here and then, uh, you know, the world is our campus, a couple of BYU alums. Saying, hey, why don't you try BYU? That's what a- awesome. It's too bad it was raining part of their experience here. <laughs> well, like uh, like Coach Littlewood had mentioned in there, I mean, that's that's about as far as you can as you can come to Provo, you know what I mean? And so the 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 opportunity for not only them, but for the BYU coaches and the players to be able to have that interaction, what a great experience. It actually it it reminds me of, of what our family is kind of about to go through. My son is about to go to China. Coming up in October, it's actually November, he's going to China with his Chinese class from Orem High School. Nice. So he's going to actually get an opportunity to experience the Chinese culture over Very there cool. in a couple months. So it's, it's really cool to be able to have those kinds of opportunities. That's awesome. And there continue to be Chinese connections, obviously, with Jim Fredette over yep. there. When I, right. And uh, I know a lot of the performance groups went to China recently over the summer. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the world's our campus. BYU going all over the place. Very cool. Coming up, Spider-Man has Yoli's back in my rise and shout. Yes, he does. Yes, Yes, he he does. does. And why one national writer has already locked up the BYU Defensive Player of the Year. We'll explain. This is BYU Sports Nation. Between the Lines is presented by Tim Daly Ford and the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. BYU 
BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. The best of BYU Sports Nation airs Saturdays at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU Radio and is also on the podcast feed featuring the best conversations and interviews from each week. What I'm really afraid is that one week it won't be two hours. Like, we just didn't have enough. enough. Sorry, there wasn't enough content. We have standards and just didn't meet it. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) Welcome back to BYU Sports Station. This is our question of the day. Will there be two hours of content on Saturday's BYU? No, no, no. Oh. How have your expectations for BYU football changed since the start of fall camp? Eli Minnett on Facebook said, Prior to fall camp, I was pessimistic that they would even be bowl eligible with this schedule. I don't even think that. Come on. As fall camp progressed, I have become more optimistic that they will go bowling this season and maybe beat Utah for the cherry on top. I would say that's the whole bowl of ice cream if they beat Utah. Look, Eli's expectations apparently were so low if he didn't think they were going to even be bowl eligible. Now you're talking about beating Utah. Things changed quickly. Yes, yes. I like it, though. Yeah. Listen, I think this is going to be an improved BYU team. We'll see how much improvement that is and how many wins that equals. This could be a very... Uh, improved BYU team, and they win eight games in the regular season, right? That's not a, that's not a regular season to write home about, but uh, with BYU building, that's uh, where they want to go. And right? all of those can be the, the entire talk of jump-starting the, the offense, jump-starting the season, getting extra wins. It can all, we can all really talk about it with a W in game one. Exactly. Let's play a little hashtag this. BYU Sports Nation says, hashtag this. Brought to you by Bodyguards. Protection for a life worth living. Learn more at Bodyguards.com. There's lots to discuss. Lots is happening on social media. I'm stoked about this segment. Let's bring in our producer, Ben Bagley. Some call him the voice. Apparently he's cold, too. Well, it was cold this morning in our meetings, and so I put on the hoodie to warm up, and it's still cold. And to represent, which is fine. Hoods up. We've got, got to represent the BYU Sports Nation hoodie. Hey, let's start here. Hashtag this. BYU fans purchasing close to 7,000 tickets to the Tennessee game. Uh, I'm going to go with hashtag not surprised. Nobody should be surprised by this. We know BYU travels. We know that that's, that's a, one of those destination places for, for teams. A lot of fans will go to, like, one game. If you're going to go to one venue, you probably want to check that out. I'm not surprised by this at all. BYU does this all the time. Hashtag yeehaw. BYU is going to show up, and they're going to have their y'all shirts. We got these. <laughs> we got them. We saw firsthand what kind of uh, fans there are in Nashville and in the surrounding area at the Fan Fest this yep. summer. We saw it firsthand. Those fans are awesome. I'm super stoked for them. They're going to be loud and proud. Uh, that's just that, – that's 7,000. There will be more sprinkled throughout the stadium. This is like um, – For the allotted one, tickets. One alum yes. and then the BYU allotted, allotted tickets. Yes. This isn't everybody, right? Let's go to number two. Yeah, staying on this same topic, hashtag this, the athletic Stuart Mandel becoming the defender of Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Yeah, let's explain this one yes. a little bit. Um, he, Stuart Mandel of The Athletic quoted a tweet uh, that said there could be well over 7,000 BYU fans traveling to Neyland uh, Stadium. He said, Power 5 fan base always has been. A Utah fan responded, talk to me when they sell out their own stadium. To which Mandel responded, their average attendance is higher than your stadium's capacity. <laughs> Stuart Mandel, American hero. Yes. Hashtag the Mandel mic drop. Okay. <laughs> like at that point, there really isn't anything else. Oh, like man. that, there could not have been a more perfect response. 
than that because there, there's no comeback. Now, I saw some of the attempts yeah, 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 yeah. at coming back to that, yeah, but yeah. they all fell on deaf ears. As Vanquish the Foe put it, hashtag officer, I'd like to report a murder. <laughs> so good from Stuart Mandel. But will BYU defend LES on August 29th? Countdown to the youths. 15 days. Happy Max Hall Day, everybody. I hate Utah. Yes. How many Max syllables did we turn 15 days into? There? 15 days. Four. 15 days. Let's break it down. No. Number three. Did that just become an eight-syllable word? Possibly. Possibly. All right, next one. Hashtag this. The Utah Jazz's Donovan Mitchell having Yoli Childs back on Instagram. You take this one first. Okay, so Donovan Mitchell uh, put out on Instagram, hey, I've got your back, Yoli Childs, wearing some BYU socks that BYU Wearing the Cosmo socks. Which is awesome. You can give him socks, and he can wear them, right? And uh, we're showing them on BYU TV. Awesome. Uh, Hashtag DMitch got yo back. I I love this. He supports the local teams. He's beloved by uh, jazz fans, and uh, it's it's awesome. I, I love it. Yeah, I went with a hashtag game recognizes game. Now, that could mean Donovan recognizing Yoli's game and vice versa. could also mean recognizing the game, the sock game. Yes. Yes. Well done. Yes. Donovan Mitchell uh, has come to a BYU game or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spencer talked to him during a broadcast. Yeah. Was, and, and Donovan it's Mitchell. i really happy for Spencer to have that opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> Donovan Mitchell actually played in high school in Georgia with Elijah, Elijah Bryant. Bryant. Yes. Yeah, a little connection there. Number, yes. Number four. Well, Spencer doesn't have that whole restraining order issue, Jason, that you can't <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Exactly. Uh, next one. Hashtag this. The Frick and Frack nickname given to Sione Taki Taki and fellow Browns rookie linebacker Mac Wilson by Odell Beckham Jr. Hashtag we know which one is Frick. Of course they're going to give the guy from BYU Frick, right? <laughs> that just makes sense, right? <laughs> Well, talky talky, fracky fracky. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> Can I drop some knowledge before you give your hashtag? What have you been waiting on? I, I have been waiting to drop some knowledge on Frick and Frack. They're actual people. Excuse me. Yes. Who are they? Okay, Frick and Frack were two Swiss skaters who, huh? who came to the United States in the late 1930s and joined the original Ice Follies show as co- as comedic ice skaters. That is Frick and Frack. Well, I would say that uh, I would go hashtag, can we say Frick on BYU TV? (laughs) There's a first for almost everything, right? Yeah, awesome. Number five. Hashtag this. The ESPN's Bill Conley has the 1984 BYU National Championship team as his third best Cougar football team in history. Look, I understand um, when you throw in the numbers, I love when you start with this tone. I know exactly where that, you're like, going. <laughs> that's fine. Like that's cool. But but hashtag I'll stick with the ship. Okay, you win a championship. That's the best. Hashtag I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. I knew that '84. I know they won the national championship. I'm not sure they're the best team in BYU history. I see the argument on all sides. He says. I think he says '79 and '80 are the best teams. This is by S&P Plus. Yes. So there's these metrics, right? So many metrics. Here, here's the thing with the best team conversation. In a given year, like, if you ask Utah and Auburn about the 4 season, they were, what, two of four teams that went into the bowl uh, games undefeated? Auburn went undefeated and didn't get a chance to play for the national championship. Like, UCF's like, uh, 
what about us over here? No one actually thinks that they deserve the national title, right? Like, but they didn't get a chance to play for it. Um, that's interesting to me. I, the 83 team, you could argue, was better than the 84 team. It was all those dudes uh, with the tougher schedule. BYU won at UCLA and pounded them. Like, the 84 team played a soft schedule. They took care of business. I, I love that they won the national championship. It is the best and worst thing that has ever <laughs> happened to BYU. Look, like I said, it's I understanding the the metrics that went into coming up with the list. I understand why he went. That's fine. I'm still going with the year that you win a national championship. Yeah, BYU won every game that year. Uh, not all schedules are created equal, but guess what? No one brings up who BYU played in '84. Just that they won, right? That's all that matters. So why? So what if BYU had opened up with four Power Fives in '84? Ah, uh-huh. would have been a little tougher, right? And you still go undefeated and you still win the championship. Uh, no. <laughs> you don't so, know that. You don't know it either. I do know it. I've seen it. I'm seeing it right now. Yeah. Put on your blue goggles blue that goggle alert. see the blue future. Goggle alert. Blue goggle Translate alert. future schedules. Blue goggle alert. Future is always positive and blue. Okay. What's coming up, Jason? Coming up, another Cougar in the minors goes deep. Nice. And why two former Elite 11 BYU quarterbacks are still in the news. This is BYU Sports Nation. This segment brought to you by Bodyguards. Protection for a life worth living. Thanks to today's guest, Tristan Hodge, as well as uh, Kong Kong from the Chinese youth baseball team that visited BYU a few weeks ago. Yeah, the show's on demand via the podcast and the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Football. Fall camp practice number 12 was last night. Head coach Kalani Satake said BYU came out of Saturday's scrimmage pretty healthy and has a better idea of how the depth chart is shaping up and who might redshirt. Former Cougars Tanner Mangum, Tony Knuch, and Jay Keith were invited to the XFL Player Draft in February. Men's basketball. The WCC releases the upcoming basketball conference schedule. BYU starts conference play on January 4th at home against LMU. BYU travels to Spokane to face Gonzaga on January 18th, and then they will host the Zags in Provo on the 22nd of February. By the way, the WCC tournament will be played March 5th through the 10th at the Orleans Arena in Las Vegas. Volleyball. The ladies are number nine in the ABCA preseason coaches poll. BYU finished last season ranked fourth with a 31-2 record and a Final Four appearance. BYU opponents in the top 25 include Stanford at number one, Texas fourth, Marquette 16th, and two matchups with San Diego ranked 21st. Soccer. In their inter-squad scrimmage last night, BYU women's soccer's white team wins 5-0. They got goals from Elise Flake, scored two. Michaela Coulihan, Sarah Jane Affleck, likes to go by SJ, by the way, and Rachel McCarthy sealed the win. The Cougars will play a final exhibition game on Saturday against Colorado College at 9 p.m. Eastern time, 6 p.m. Pacific on BYU Radio. Cougars in the minors. There were like a handful of people there we last there. night. And we were there. We were there. Greg, that was fun. Uh, in single A, Maverick Buffalo threw three scoreless innings with three Ks for the Dunedin Blue Jays in an 8-3 win against the uh, Credence Clearwater Revival Threshers. It's not really what they're called. Michael Rucker pitched two innings and recorded three strikeouts for the Tennessee Smokies in the 6-1 win over the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. In double A, Colton Shaver hit a homer to help the Corpus Christi Hooks defeat the Frisco Rough Riders 6-2. 
Jackson Clough was one for four with a double in the Hagerstown Sun 6-3 loss to the Lakewood Blue Claws. And in AAA, Jacob Bregman went one for three with an RBI for the Tacoma Rainiers in a 10-4 loss to the New Orleans Baby Cakes. That's a real name. <laughs> I love minor league baseball names. They're the best. Time for some rising shout-outs. Mine goes to Stuart Mandel for defending Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Better than BYU has the last two years. The Cougars are 5-7 and seven the last two years. Hopefully that changes quickly. Uh, my rising shout-out goes to Utah Jazz superstar Donovan Mitchell for coming. There's a little drool to, coming up. <laughs> for coming to the rescue of, uh, of Yoli Childs and uh, having his back again. Said, quote, one, to, uh, one time for my man Yoli Childs. Stay strong, bro. They doing you dirty, but we got your back. Anytime I can combine the Jazz and BYU, yeah. I am loving it. You got to love it, baby. Our question of the day. How have your expectations for BYU football changed since the start of fall camp? At Jesse J. Cottom on Instagram. Some yes. From the sound of it, our offense has improved significantly from last year. That's the hope. I think that's where you'll see the biggest jump with BYU football is that the offense can move the ball quickly. This is my own opinion. This is not coming from anywhere. It's just my own opinion. No. Speak for the entire university. I believe that even to a certain extent, the, the talk about how impressed they are with the offense is being subdued. I think they're really impressed with this offense, oh. but don't want to say it. Okay. That's my own personal opinion. Interesting. Interesting. At Twigger Stone on Twitter. No. Fall, no. Fall camp gets me excited for the season, but my expectations for the team get finalized after the first game. I need to see them on the field before I finalize my opinion. It, it, that, honestly, I understand it. Takes it. A few ga- well, expectations precedes. You can change your expectations. Sure. Other things change, right? We all changed our expectations when BYU was suddenly 3-1 and one and ranked 20th, right? I do remember sitting in Elder, Elder Scorum tweeting, though. Uh, <laughs> BYU's not the 20th best team in the country, but this is fun. Let's enjoy it. And then the next couple weeks were But they Washington were the 20th ranked team. And Utah State. Because they were in the rankings at number 20. They wouldn't end up. That's what I meant by that. Yeah, I know. But yeah. But that was fun, right? It was fun enjoy, for a week. Enjoy it while it lasts. Yes. The Elite Voice of the Day, presented by Sundance Mountain Resort, goes to Michael Sorensen on Facebook. I'm expecting the offense to be more explosive and put up some big numbers. From the interviews with the players and coaches, it seems as if the offense surprised a lot of the coaching staff and team at the beginning of fall camp. That's all tied into the scheme and the people, and the person leading the charge is Jeff Grimes and Zach Lee. Very exciting. Can't wait to see this offense on the field. Conversation continuing 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Always use the hashtag BYUSN. Sorry to Dennis Pitta. We ran out of time, apparently. For Jason, I'm Jerem. Shout out to Byron Frisch. See you tomorrow at noon Eastern. Go Cougs, and more importantly, beat Utah.